Hello, everyone, and welcome to Parker's podcast for exercise and sports psychology in Keene 315 for William Jessup University. Uh, excited to talk with you guys today about arousal regulation. And again, this just goes back to what we talked about early on in class uh, in the beginning of the semester about stress. And so we can't move forward and talk about arousal regulation unless we, as we started in knowing stress and its foundations of stress. And if you guys remember, we talked about in the beginning of the semester that there is no quantifiable way to understand stress for the general population. It's not that we can easily say, hey, this is how I feel stress and the amount of stress that I feel on a daily basis. We can't quantify that because we all experience stress uh, in different levels, in different ways. And so that's something that um, I've been always trying to figure out is how can we quantify stress? And, And I think it's one thing to have a basic qualitative analysis and and Likert scale and someone can write down, oh, I feel it's seven or a 10. Um, But what I love most about being in in the academic field and education is utilizing and being exposed to other resources, other departments. Uh, For example, this theory of mechanical stress. So sitting one day in class with Dr. Cleek in biomechanics, and she shared with the class about how stress is actually a calculation within the engineering field. And of course, you know, it's kind of that uh, moment for me. Um, But then seeing this analysis, seeing this equation of how mechanical stress is calculated. And so you know, just as a theory, and, and this is purely theoretical, you know, and how to quantify this, but I think there's such a connection and a relationship with how we quantify a bridge and our, uh, in comparison to our bodies and identifying stress. And so uh, if you have uh, access to the PowerPoints on Moodle, uh, highly encourage you to follow along with us as I have the slides up there and, and it better explains what this calculation is but you can also look this up you know and and type in you know mechanical stress equals the force divided by area so sigma that's what we're trying to quantify as sigma which being stress is equal f divided by a so force over area and when i think about how dr cleek defined this I, i just blew me away of this relationship between stress and strain and fairly similar as we'll talk about here in a little bit about how we have coping resources and how sometimes we are strained and we are stressed and so as people and so just really loved its descriptions and again saw a lot of relationships to us as people and how we interact with strain and how we interact with with stress and so when we saw this when i saw this relationship between stress and strain the definition for is strain or sorry stress is what is done to the material slash the object. So of course, multiple cars, people walking on to say the Golden Gate or the Bay Bridge, you know, there is an amount of stress that is being done to that material and object. Now the strain is how that material and object responds to that. So, you know, there might be more tension on the cables, uh, there might be more wear and tear, you know, of course on the concrete, Um, But overall, that stress and strain, there is a difference on what that is. Now, what we do see is that stress and strain are proportional to each other. 
and that this ratio is a property of the material. So E being its stiffness, which I found very interesting that, of course, just like stress, right? Well, arousal is just like stress. Remember we talked about early in the class in the semester, arousal is stress. No, just the same as stress and strain, they are proportional to each other. It's just dependent on the stiffness. It just depends on the material. So what I love about stress is when you think about the levels or the different descriptions that people have about how they experience stress, very similar to how we have mechanical loads on the human body. Now, sometimes we feel our bones are compressed Sometimes we describe tension in our shoulders, right? Just as much as tension is on our bones on mechanical loads. Sometimes we feel just ripped apart and cheering. Sometimes we feel contorted or some type of torsion going on. Sometimes we felt bent, uh, very similar like a bridge would, right? We feel like where our body is bending beyond what we can actually manage. So these different types of loads, right, is also dependent on our actual stiffness or our material. So how I look at this, again, very uh, open-ended and just thought uh, of comparison between sigma and stress and strain, force over area, as well as just physical stress. Again, just, just theory and just really cool to see this type of relationship. I look at this mechanical strain being a psychological activation over time. And when I see that mechanical stress, it's just to a point of where we can no longer compensate or support. We, we no longer have the resources to be able to handle the actual load that we are taking. So when we think about sigma equals force over area, I think about stress and strain are being proportional to each other, then its response is dependent on you know, one stiffness. So essentially our perspective, right? How our perspective is and our coping strategies that we have will be anxiety, right? Or stress. So we think about stress and strain are proportional. So that is arousal and stress. So stress and strain are proportional and the stiffness and the material is too stiff. Of course, the object itself will break. Well, arousal and stress are just as proportional and the response is dependent on our perspective and what we have available to us to cope with that stress. And if we can't fulfill that level of arousal and compensate for that, then of course, either cognitively we will or task we will break down and anxiety will be the result of that. So uh, really uh, like that comparison, that visual. Um, for me, I'm a, I'm a very visual person. And so I think a lot about how you know, the resources and the amount of engineering that's done to be put into a bridge or a building to be able to handle those levels of stressors and strain and environmental conditions, all of that to produce a, a level of resiliency for what may never come or what may. And so to be prepared for breaking. And when I think about that comparison to us as humans, you know, being prepared for that high level of stress and high level of arousal and so much of that respond and how we respond to that, that stressor, that high level arousal will be dependent on not only our perspective, but how we cope with that stressor. Now, 
we think about those areas that we're going to dive into a little bit more today on those coping strategy and those resources will be dependent on that problem focused or emotion focused coping but then also our perspectives that mental toughness our resiliency uh, how we respond either positively or negative that self-talk um, are all going to be different perspectives we have now the force is of course a stressor and that area is you so when i think about the original equation of you know sigma equals force divided by area i think about sigma equaling the force being the stressor right or to say the arousal divided by you being the area you are the area that is being impacted so again i love the visual of this um, again it's purely theoretical it has there's no uh, again measurement or calculation of this um, because each of us are going to be coming in with different coping strategies and resources each of us are going to be coming in from different perspectives of what is that force um, but again i just love the visual in comparison to the amazing work that engineers have done throughout the world to build and prepare for and i think that's very similar to what we should be doing as coaches as athletes is preparing ourselves to respond properly both in perspective and in our coping strategies uh, to prepare for what's ahead so with that said at the end of the day why is it that we should even have a conversation about regulating arousal well when we think about it if you don't effectively cope with stress there is going to be leading to a decrease in your performance either mentally or physically you're going to be under a specific load of distress. Now, those that are able to regulate their arousal better, you're going to be able to stay more focused and in control of what's actually going on. Now, just remember what we talked about earlier in the semester that you know, when we look at stress, right, it's essentially saying that the internal and external demands that are being asked of you to be completed exceeds your own resources. Now, Coping with that is that actual process of changing between the cognitive and behavioral efforts to manage those external internal demands and essentially trying to fight this conflict of actually going on. And it's going to tax you or even exceed the resources you have. And that's part of what we do in competition, right? We are physiologically taxing the system or trying to exceed the resources that you have to get better and improve, right? And, and expose yourself in those things. Now, from a stressor standpoint, that's going to be a little bit different where we are going to be internally or either cognitively or behaviorally, you know, unable to meet those demands. Now, we think about the different ways of coping. We're either going to be talking today about problem-focused or emotion-focused coping. Now, we look at problem-focused coping, we're going to be looking at how we take control of stress. So problem-solving or actually removing the source of the stress itself. And what we're going to be doing is looking for information or assistance to how to handle this situation and re remove yourself from the stressful situation itself. So again, removing that problem situation, a lot of uh, athletes will, for example, uh, adhere to a, a teammate or go to their coach you know, there's a lot of sports events out there that are just one-on-one -on -one, um, that the athlete can literally just go right to the coach, you know, and problem solve the situation at, at hand, right? 
There's going to be a lot of, of course, team sports where the athlete can go to a teammate and talk to them real quick on, you know, reminders of what's going on or what needs to happen at the task. Now, on the other side of coping, there's the emotion focused. So rather than taking actions to change the stressor itself, now you as an individual are going to try and control the feelings using a variety of different cognitive or behavior techniques like meditation, prayer, uh, positive reframing for some it's even a wishful thinking type of approach on what's going to be at hand now there's also going to be some avoidance techniques now that's something that i look for as a coach is seeing what athletes what individuals are trying to avoid this coping mechanism so how are they actually responding are they avoiding the the issue itself are they blaming others are they blaming themselves what type of social support are they looking at? Are they engaging in a social withdrawal or are they actually going to social support to still move forward, right? Uh, are they talking with others? Are they looking at uh, mental health healthcare professionals? Are they seeking counseling of some kind? Are they seeing some form of mentor? Now, when we look at this emotion-focused coping, it's used primarily when a purpose, when a person appraises stressor as beyond his or her own capacity to change. So that's a really good opener uh, as a coach, uh, parent, uh, facilitator of some kind to recognize anything that is emotion-focused coping, looking at how the individual appraises this stressor, they will be, you will be able to identify, is it beyond their ability or capacity to change it? So very important to recognize that outsider. Now, when we look at some general coping categories, there's going to be some major problem-focused categories and then major emotion-focused categories. So some major problem focus are going to be ones like this. Uh, information gathering, pre-competition and competition plans. Uh, just, of course, this uh, current week we're talking about goal setting, uh, time management skills, problem solving. For some, even looking at increasing effort and intensity. For some, uh, self-talk, and that doesn't matter of what type of self-talk, either positive or negative, just self-talk itself. Now, uh, also adhering to any form of injury rehab uh, program uh, that's being utilized for them. Now, some emotion-focused categories would be, for example, meditation, relaxation, again, wishful thinking, some form of reappraisal, self-blame, mental and behavioral withdrawal, and then, of course, cognitive efforts to change. Now, we think those cognitive efforts is actually not to change oneself, but it's actually to change the meaning of what's actually being done in the situation. So you can't actually change the problem or the environment, but their own cognitive efforts to change the meaning of the situation at hand. So are they seeing now that this stressor or this environment is scary or uh, in dangerous to themselves and now changing it to, say, something that's going to help them grow or be challenged. So a very different type of perspective to have. Now, what's very important, I can't emphasize this enough, um, if there's anything to take away, to cope with adversity, you want to use problem-focused coping when stressful situations can be changed. Now, we want to use emotion-focused coping when situations are not able to be changed. Now, I know that sounds pretty simple, but you have to think about that is take a step back and evaluate. Can this situation be changed? Great. Then you need to create a new pathway of goals or plan and 
implement that plan to change the, the stressful problem, right? Get control. Now, if it can't be changed at all, then we need to change our perspective of how we are now going to cope with this situation since it can't change. Now, what I love are, are options of how we can cope with different areas, right? How can we increase our resources to be able to support different stressors? And what I love about options is that each of you are going to be coming from different backgrounds and have different personality types where some of these, you know, may not work for you. But for some, you might find that a, a multitude of options will really assist you to be effective in how to cope better. So just some different ideas when you think about coping strategies um, that a lot of athletes use are going to be task focused. You know, if you're one that forgets the task at hand or what is supposed to be done in that time, you know, really reminding yourself prior to the game or the event or the situation, you know, writing down two or three tasks or utilizing your coach to provide you, hey, these, these are the tasks. This is what's supposed to be done in this time then utilize that task focus and keep reminding of that. That's what I, I love about some sports with actually being able to do timeouts. You know, that timeout period is essential in reminding the athlete, this is the task at hand. You need to do this to be ready to go and reduce the actual stressor, get back in control. Now there's this other side of it that we can look at is rational thinking and self-talk. Now, later on, I'm going to uh, share another podcast about enhancing self-awareness. And I think that's where a lot of that's going to come into is one's real awareness of self uh, and biofeedback and self-talk. Now, another one that's great is positive focus and self-orientation. Another is a good community and social support. Another good, good coping strategy is mental preparation and anxiety management. And our last two is being time management and then training hard. And not just training hard, but training effectively and smart. Now, what's great about both of those last two, training hard and smart and time management, is utilizing your peers and utilizing your coach. Utilizing a coach to when to train hard and how to train smarter, using him or her as a sounding board and as a resource of, hey, when can I really train hard when I can put in a really strong workout? And when can I reduce that load? and just train more effectively and smarter. Now, when we think about coping with emotions, I have a few recommendations that you can be thinking about in moving forward. One of those being a self-statement modification. We wanna try and change our negative to positive statements. Now, we also wanna familiarize ourselves with self-fulfilling prophecies. One of those things of speaking things into existence. Now, if you're one that is having negative self-talk and you want to try and change that language, then you need to actually speak aloud your self-fulfilling prophecies to really speak them into existence. So again, if you're being challenged with that negative thought or you're hearing someone else's voice in your head of those statements, actually speak aloud to yourself. So yes, say it verbally and open air of what it is you are going to do in implementation. Now, for some, it might help to even imagine what this is. So as you're either speaking it aloud, also walking yourself through it mentally. And that's where imagery comes in. Coping with those negative emotions or using positive emotions. Imagery is really going to help that. Now, we also want to have some corrective experiences. So actually to change, making a decision to engage in the behavior that is of concern. So 
whatever concern or if you've identified some behavior or decision that you are trying to change, we actually want to try and implement that in practice as much as possible. So create a situation with the same level of stress and anxiety, you know, as you go along. Doing that will help a lot.